please remain standing for the reading of our text this morning, which comes from the book, or, yeah, Luke 1, verses 67 through 80. Luke 1, 67 through verse 80. This is the word of the Lord. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited, visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I think most everybody knows uh, Chris, Pastor Chris Lynch. Um, he's a professor at WRS. And was an assistant pastor. When were you assistant pastor, Chris? 85 to 95. 85 to 95. So, Lord bless you as you come. Uh, Darren Huey's an, an elder. He's an old guy now, but I was here when he was dating his wife. So, <clears throat> we're looking at this wonderful text here. Uh, the Advent season, and uh, it's leading up to, you know, you, Jesus is coming, but he's going to have a herald, and John the Baptist is that herald. But uh, this praise, this song of Zechariah, begins to hint at the coming of Jesus at the end of his song, when he says, um, the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness. And this child, John the Baptist, he's going to give knowledge of salvation. And so John's going to go around preaching the kingdom is at hand and calling people to repentance and remission of sins. Other Gospels start out with John the Baptist. Mark chapter 1 just says, there was a voice crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist went out and he called people to repentance. But if you go to the Gospel of John, it takes us way back before Christmas, way back before creation itself, where John 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a picture there of um, uh, the identity of God being revealed as the Word, the God who communicates, and how. think about how we're blessed. You and I, made in the image of God, we're also blessed with words to communicate with one another, but especially to communicate and pray to God, and in that way we reflect who God is. 
God has always been a communicator because God's the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, enjoying the, uh, the, the uh, companionship, uh, the community of uh, the God, the persons of the Godhead together from before creation. Communicating, we love to communicate also. I mean, and if we're not communicating face-to-face, we're communicating, you know, in a virtual way, in an almost immediate way. Right now I have um, my, my mom's brothers in a nursing home, and he's so hard of hearing, we're writing him letters. Say, so write us back when you get a chance. We'll, we'll visit you, but we just we write him little notes and hold it up against the, the clear screen. But the God who said, let there be light, is also a God who uses words to direct. He says, just let it be, and it is so. And we, we also, we made in that image, we plan, um, we put things down on paper, and we say, let's get the ball rolling, let's, let's see things happen. And just the idea of thinking, uh, and thinking in concepts, and saying, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a possibility uh, that reflects who God is. God, who always had a plan in his mind, he never had to go to the drawing board, the plan was always there, to uh, bring this wonderful world into creation, but also to plan out your life for you, and to, to know uh, this is what, what's going to be best for you. I don't know if your mother ever made a baby's book for you, maybe some of you moms made baby's books for your babies, but you know, I've, I've looked at my baby book from the 1950s, and here's, oh, he rolled over on this date. First steps on this date, and then the first words. And here in Luke, we have a record of the first words of some important people. And it's Zechariah, it's his first words after being mute. We have his first words also from a, a very holy place. He's in the sanctuary in the temple, and this angel appears to him, and his first words recorded in the Bible are not, not the right answer. They're not the best words that could have come out of his mouth. But then we also have the words of Elizabeth, and her words are just praiseworthy, praising God for what God has been doing. And so first, first words, we'll just take a quick look at some of these things. But with Zechariah, remember, he was struck mute because... He was doubting. And it's one, it's one thing to ask, um, uh, how will these things come to pass? But he asked a faithless question of, how can I know? And he struck with muteness as a sign of his own unbelief. Um, you'll, here's your first sign. You won't be able to talk. And he says, okay, I get the, I get the message. But he can't even say that. He can't even say, I get the message. He just comes out of the sanctuary wide-eyed, and everybody's wondering, why is he taking so long? And is he, has he had a stroke in there? Has he seen an angel visitant? Yes, he has. And all he can do is make signs right, right on a tablet. But being struck speechless. Uh, you and I, we have the warning of the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19. Let everyone be swift to hear. And so he heard the message of the angel, but the rest of that James 1.19 says, swift to hear, but slow to speak. And he should have measured his thoughts so that he could measure his words. Not only slow to speech, but slow to anger. Christians have to have some self-control. 
and have control over a spirit of anger that is, must always well up within us if somebody pushes our button. And so the sign of muteness is a sign of, for unbelievers, uh, Zechariah, you didn't believe the messenger of God. How about us? Do we, do we need a sign to believe the things that God has promised to us in the Bible? We read the Bible, we, we hear the Bible preached to us, and we, we nod our heads, but do we really believe it, or we just or do we nod and let it go in one ear and out the other? Do we need a sign, to you know, a, a, a thunderbolt from heaven to really believe what God has promised in the Word? And uh, to ask for a sign is uh, it's a dangerous thing. Jesus warns about those that ask for a sign. He says, these uh, are a faithless, adulterous generation. And so faith is an interesting thing where God has spoken. The message of God hangs together so beautifully as we read through his word. And the Bible over and over calls upon us, believe, hold fast to these things that you've received, knowing from whom you've believed them. These very words of God's servants, the apostles, the prophets. And hold on to that. Don't give up, but believe. God is in the world, and God is doing wonderful things. And God's going to keep his promises of Jesus coming back a second time. And so, Mary believed Gabriel. Verse 45 in this chapter 1 says, Elizabeth is talking to her, and Mary comes to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, Blessed are you because you have believed. That's verse 45. Verses 42 and 43, Elizabeth says, Blessed is this, are you, because you're carrying the promised deliverer who is to come into the world. And so you're blessed in so many ways. And positive words coming from the mouth of Elizabeth. And this will become a sign. This mutinous of uh, Zechariah becomes a sign to the neighborhood. He had to finish his job there. Uh, he had duties for a few days after he came out of the sanctuary. And then he goes home to his priestly village. And then uh, people are wondering, what's, what's wrong? Now, he hasn't had a stroke. He's not paralyzed. Everything's working except his mouth. And then, then the neighborhood really starts talking. Elizabeth? Elizabeth is pregnant? And Elizabeth says, I'm going to leave for a while. So at five months of pregnancy, she goes and, and visits um, her, her cousin Mary. And uh, the neighborhood's talking, but then things really get interesting when John the Baptist is born. And at that point, Zechariah gets his speech back. And that gets the attention of the whole neighborhood. And if you look at um, this verse 65, it says, they were, the neighborhood was afraid. God, God has come near. God has done wonders. He took away the speech. Now he's giving the speech. He's giving a wonder child to this old couple in their old age. What in the world is God? They knew that this was God doing something marvelous. And they were, they were nervous. And it's one thing to reverence God and come to him in holy fear, but uh, these, this neighborhood was nervous because God's been silent for 400 years. The lessons we want to focus on in this section, this context, are these two things. God fills his people, and we'll, we'll talk about who's filled in this chapter, and then God fulfills his promises. And that's the message of the Song of Zechariah. God 
we're seeing God begin to out, work out the fulfilling of his promises, verses 68 and following. God's spirit fills his people. They're filled to give utterance of praise, and then after the praise, Zechariah is going to go on and give a prophecy about his own son, John the Baptist. Verses 76 to the end there is the prophecy. But 68 down to 75 is the praise, and that he, he can't do anything else but praise God for the Holy Spirit has come upon him to loosen his tongue and to fill his mouth with words of praise for the God who made him and answered prayers, to bless his wife with a child, bless him with a child, but to bless the world with the knowledge of the coming Redeemer. It's, it's going to be in, in my son's lifetime. It might, might be in my lifetime. I'm going to see the birth of the, of the Messiah. And so this praise just uh, issues forth. Elizabeth is, um, she uses the word blessed on, on her lips. So her first words are blessed. When we, well, let me take that back. Elizabeth, we're seeing, we're seeing her in, um, I better look at the verses here. Well, actually verses 24 and 25 Elizabeth conceived, verse 25, she said, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She's thanking the Lord. God's answered her prayers. She's, she's going to have a child. She's going to have a son. But then her next words are verses 42 and 43. Blessed, blessed, 45, blessed. And she's saying, blessing in this, this life comes from God. We've got to have God in our lives to see any goodness, to see any blessing. We've got to have God in our lives. And so she's got, um, she's got a better response than her husband. But her husband, of course, he's mute, and he's thinking, he's meditating, and he's going to have a, a better second chance. So Elizabeth had a good start, her first recorded words. Now, John the Baptist, we don't have his recorded words, but we do have a record that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's chapter 1, verse 15. From his mother's womb, he's filled with the Spirit. So are you surprised that when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, Mary's carrying the baby Jesus in her womb, Elizabeth's carrying John the Baptist in, in her womb, that John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother at the, the coming near of Mary and Jesus? Uh, you know, how did, how did he know, know that? He could not have known that apart from the Holy Spirit uh, working, being in, uh, being in him, even before John the Baptist is born, the Spirit upon him. And the Spirit of God is knitting together the, the, the bones and the um, person of John the Baptist in the womb, yet also filling him from that point. It's a verse like this, it says, that preborn babies are important to God. Uh, preborn babies can be endowed and blessed and even filled by God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 says that uh, God speaks to Jeremiah when he's an adult and says, I knew you before you were born. I chose you before you were born to be my servant. And so God has his eye upon the special, uh, every preborn child. And then verse 80, the last verse that we read in chapter 1, it's interesting, says, well, what happened to John when he grew up? 
He's going to be out in the wilderness, but it says, before that it says, he grew in spirit. And it doesn't say grew in the Holy Spirit, but it grew in spirit. And I think that's more than just having a good attitude. Or, you know, not like he was a cross-country runner and he had to get good, strong lungs and, and good wind. I think it's talking about the Spirit of God. He grew in the Spirit of God to show that that verse 15 was coming to pass. From his mother's womb, the Holy Spirit would be upon him to direct him, fill him, shape him. It's a beautiful picture. We wonder about our children. How about our, our young children? God, will God bless them with His Spirit? And we say, yes, God will bless our young children with uh, His Spirit as we give them the Word of the Spirit. Our young children, you know, we teach them through songs and Bible stories. Our older children, we talk to them in the ways. When we rise and we're in the way, we talk. This is, this is God's world. This is what God is doing in the world. And so it takes spiritual parents to give the word of the Spirit. And this Bible is the word of the Spirit, so we want to think in biblical terms to say, this is what we believe. This is what shapes how, how we act in our lives. And the children can grow strong in the Spirit as they're given the word of the Spirit and as they sit under the, the preaching of the word. And so then there was Zechariah. His first words uh, revealed, you know, chapter one, sanctuary, he's talking to the angel. Uh, how can I know these things will really come to pass? Bad start. But he had God of second chance says, you'll be speechless because you chose the wrong words speaking to the angel. But once this baby is born, once the child is named on the eighth day at circumcision, then the speech returns. And uh, it's a speech of praise. It's a song. And the interesting thing is he's, he's had time to think the Spirit's words. So he's filled with the Spirit. Verse 67 says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that came after meditating upon the words of the Spirit of God for these nine plus months. While he can't say a thing, plenty of time to think. To think about his role, his identity. But then also think about what in the world is God doing? And he begins to reveal that. And in these following verses, 68 through uh, 79, he's going to quote seven psalms and three prophets, first Samuel, and, he, and on the fly he's just weaving together this hymn, and maybe it's been bubbling up within him because he's been filled with the Spirit, and then it just pours forth like Niagara Falls over the, over the cliff as uh, he has to praise God. And do you see what he praises God for? Oh, thank God that nine months is done and uh, when I was speechless. Uh, thank, thank God that I've got my speech back and uh, I can... No, it's, it's not about me. The very first words, 68, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us. And this is a promise that, promise that was made to David, that David would have a, a son from the line of David to always sit upon the throne of David. And a beautiful picture of um, returning the focus back to God. God is working in his world, and we know that he's working because he fills he fills Christians, he fills believers with his spirit. And that's how God draws nigh. 
is by the Holy Spirit. He comes, He works around us. He comes and He works within us. And then He prophesies uh, in verse 76 through 79. He's prophesying about John the Baptist. And uh, there had been Old Testament prophets, prophets talking about John the Baptist, Malachi 3 and Isaiah 40, but Zacharias the father puts the icing on the cake for saying, here's what, what it'll be like for my son. Well, he's filled with the Spirit, and he praises first, and then he prophesies. And it's not like we're going to prophesy and predict the future. Or it's not like we're going to be able to say, okay, my son, this is how your life's going to play out, and my daughter, your life's going to play out like this. Uh, we don't have that predictive gift of prophecy, but we do have the filling of the Spirit to have spiritual discernment. And with that discernment, we have the living word of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. As we understand the Bible and as we digest the Bible, then we can apply the Bible right here in our own lives, but we can apply the Bible in the lives of others. We're called to be able to admonish one another. Uh, how do you admonish somebody, though? Well, here's my opinion. Not at all. We admonish them from the Word of God. Say, here's the word, what the Word of the Spirit says. Are you familiar with this passage? You know, if somebody, somebody needs encouragement, somebody needs direction, say, Remember that passage? Remember that sermon we heard, heard last week? We reinforce that. And that's what it means to have, be filled with the Spirit, to have spiritual discernment. So he's got a prophecy here, and we can have discernment and be able to apply the word of the Spirit in the lives of others. He breaks forth in praise, but for you and I, we can be filled with the Spirit, but there's no praise unless the Spirit warms our heart to sing His praises. Think of um, hymn of Asahel Nettleton from the early 1800s. He wrote, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of endless praise. Teach me. Teach, teach me. So the fount of every blessing is, is God, God the Spirit. Teach me. Fill me. Uh, let me speak your words into the lives of others. And so I think there are lessons here with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth's filled. Uh, John the Baptist is filled. Zacharias is filled. And it's filled to praise the Lord and then filled to also speak the words of the Spirit in, into the lives of others. And so Let's, let's praise the Lord, but let's also be open to the Spirit. As we come to worship from week to week, uh, let's prepare our hearts. And let's do that through prayer and say, God, show, show me myself, show me my failings, help me know myself, help me to know you and love you more and more as I enter your house. Let's turn to the second big emphasis in this section is that God not only fills, but God fulfills. He fulfills His promises. And that's right in the heart of the Benedictus. Benedictus, this just means, it's a Latin word from the Latin Vulgate, means blessed. That's the opening word of this song of Zechariah, verse 68. Blessed is the Lord. Benedictus. And the fulfilling comes down when he starts mentioning 
verse 72, to perform the mercy promised. And it was promised to David. It's promised to Abraham. And uh, it took a long time to see these promises begin to unfold. But now they're starting to come to pass. And you know the promises are still unfolding? Not all the promises have, have come to pass. They're still unfolding. Now, if they're not still unfolding, then maybe Jesus won't come back again. But we believe and believe in the promises of God, even though God might tarry long. It's an interesting verse, right? The last, second to last verse of Romans. This interesting verse that uh, God was keeping the mystery of the gospel hidden through ages. Romans 16, verse 25, it's a closing benediction. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. This mystery of the revelation of this has been a secret since the world began. And God's kind of deposited that secret with special people like Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to focus on you. Focus on your family coming down. Then the river will broaden out as the river comes down the mountain. The river gets broader and broader. And now it's, uh, now it's reaching its destination. It's beginning to come to pass. But we're talking about God being silent. Zechariah, he was silent for nine months. Lots of time to think. But the silence of God for 400 years, and now God begins to speak through... Zacharias, God begins to speak through uh, the angel Gabriel. He's speaking through um, Elizabeth to Mary. And God is speaking after 400 years since the last prophet of the Old Testament. And the last prophet of the Old Testament mentions John the Baptist. Malachi uh, 3 verse 1. Malachi 4 with uh, one like Elijah is going to be coming. And now God's beginning to keep that promise. God fulfills by drawing near. He has visited his people, verse 68. He's come near. He's come near us. He's visited us. And we know that because his angels are coming. We know that because he's filling uh, people like Zechariah. Zechariah says, I'd never be able to sing a song like that uh, just on the, you know, off the cuff. But he's filled with the Spirit. He says, um, God is taken over my spirit to be able to, to sing like this. And so we have promises today. Jesus at the Last Supper in John 14, he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. There's a promise. I'm going to take you to be with myself. Wonderful promise. And then a few verses later in John 14, because I live, you shall live also. That's verse 19 of John 14. And just a few hours later, the disciples watched Jesus die upon the cross. And then just a couple days later, they watch him rise from the dead. Say, who can tell the future and who can say that we're going to live but the one who has victory over death and wonderful promises. And so they believe. And we've heard their testimony. We too believe. And we believe not from their testimony, but we believe because we have the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to fill us, and to change our, change our lives 
from uh, something we don't want to be. We don't want to just live in the, the natural, natural life of the natural man. With those promises, we respond, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Quicken me by your grace and your presence. Set my affections on things above. Help me to see the invisible by faith and to persevere in faith to say, you're a God who keeps your word. Next chapter of Luke, chapter 2. There's two old people in the temple. There's Simeon and there's Anna. Anna's been there just about every day of her life, and she's, she's probably in her 80s. Simeon comes in, he says, God, you've been promising. You've been, you promised me, God, that I'd be able to see the, the Messiah. And then he breaks out in song. He says, now let your servant depart in peace because, God, you've kept your promise. I've seen the, the baby Messiah, the baby Christ, who's been brought into the temple. God kept his word to those people. God kept his word to David. God kept his word to Abraham. God keeps his word to us. God answers our prayers as we look to him in faith and patiently wait for answers. But uh, blessed be the God who visits and redeems. You know, redeem means we're, we're in trouble. If, you, if you, you have to be redeemed, you're in trouble. Somebody's got to bail you out of jail. Somebody's got to buy you out of slavery, redeem you from slavery. And this prayer, this song of Zechariah says, redeemed us from our enemies in two bookend verses there of 71 and 74. Redeemed from our, those that hate us. Uh, God is greater than those that hate us. God knows how to save us from our greatest enemy, the devil, and from the devil's tool of death. We've been delivered from death. Those that walk in the valley of the shadow of death um, a light has shined upon them in that gloomy valley. And so we've seen the light of the gospel in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ as we open the scriptures. We've been delivered from our enemies. We've been saved from ourselves and from this gloomy world. Those that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and that light is Jesus. And ultimately, what else have we been redeemed from? We've been saved from God's wrath uh, itself. That Jesus interposed his blood. He gave, he lived for us, and then Jesus died for us. So that um, that perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross would satisfy God's perfect justice, saving us from the wrath of God himself. That's redemption. That's the knowledge of salvation that uh, Jesus interposed his precious blood. And we recognize that as we come to the Lord's table. But uh, verse 77, not only the way of knowledge, knowledge of salvation, but that is the way of peace. I'll conclude with an anecdote about a Christian uh, who finally made it to college. And he, he had... Uh, um, physical disabilities all his life because he was born with infantile paralysis. And so growing up, he was on cr crutches. His crutches would get a little taller every year. But then he finally said, I'm going to go to college. And he, he knew the Lord. He's hobbling around college across the campus on his crutches. And uh, you know all his new classmates are wondering, 
who is this guy? He's got a smile on his face all the time. And uh, so they asked him, well, what, what is your disease? They said, well, I had this disease, infantile paralysis. So I just, thankfully, I'm able to get around in these crutches. He said, you know, you, you can't play football. You can't, you can't go to the college dances. Why are you just so happy and smiling all the time? He gave the best answer. He said, you know, this disease touched every part of my body, but it never touched my heart. And that's, that's you and me. God's given us a new heart. That's the heart where the Spirit of God can come and, and dwell and fill us. And uh, it's not a perfect heart, this side of glory, but that's a heart that um, longs for uh, the way of salvation and for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look for that uh, return of Christ. And during this Advent season, God gives us these opportunities year after year. During this season, uh, let's show the joy of our salvation for the great salvation we have in Christ. Because Jesus came the first time. And that tells us God keeps his promises. But we also know God gives his spirit. And so we know God gives more grace because we have his spirit. May God draw near and fill us with his very spirit in this season when we remember the coming of Christ, but then all of our days and all of our years. We thank you, Lord, for enlightening us from your word, for enlightening us by your own spirit, and for the knowledge that we ourselves can be filled by your spirit, the gift of your spirit, that you draw near as Emmanuel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.